if you had one advice for somebody thinking about getting into ultra cycling what would it be just do it get up, get on the start line and um, just do it you, you, you do change as you go along a transcontinental race and what you think is hard in the first few days you just take in your stride near the end i suspect some riders may take the coast but there is a route further inland this is basalon cycling the podcast that takes you on thrilling adventures in the world of cycling ultra cycling and bikepacking i'm your host sherry today's episode is brought to you by basalon coffee if you are familiar with ultra cycling today's guest doesn't need a long introduction winner of the tcr transcontinental gb duro and other monuments of the sport Josh Ivid, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> a bit late here in Amsterdam, I guess also in the UK? Yeah, yeah, it's been a long day. Um, I don't know, my life's changed a little bit in the last few years and ultra cycling seems quite easy because I'm a new parent. So that's why I look like I've just done an ultra race at the moment. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's more challenging indeed. I'm so happy to have you in the show and just in time before the start of Transcontinental Race this Sunday. I know you are doing a race coverage on your YouTube channel daily of the race. And as I'm doing the race this year, I'm really curious to hear your take on the route. And for those of you who are not familiar with Josh Ivid YouTube channel, you should check it out for the daily race updates. So I'm curious, what do you think about the route this year? Well, I spent the last few days um, just looking into it because, obviously, like like you say, I'm doing I'm going to do daily daily coverage of the event, um, and because of it, because it's a free route event, there's no fixed route as such, just the checkpoints. Um, there's a lot of decisions that the people riding it have to make, so I've been trying to work it out myself because you can't really talk about something um, with any kind of authority without doing your research. Um, but yeah, the the route looks good. It reminds me actually of the of some of the early ones I did, and you know it looks like there's going to be there's a the first checkpoint is uh, Lavigno. Um, mm-hmm. There's a nice long climb up there. You'll you'll enjoy that. But then uh, but then you're right in the middle of the Alps. Uh, I suspect one of the options will be to cross over the Stelvio Pass um, from well from the Bormio side. But uh, so the first. TCR I did in 2014, which was the second edition. The checkpoint mm-hmm. was on top of Stelvio, um, and I've ridden that a couple of times. It's a beautiful pass, but it's it's tough. Um, and then it's uh, yeah, the second checkpoint is uh, in Slovenia somewhere. Um, I mm-hmm. can't remember remember the name of the place. Um, yeah. But again, when I my first tour actually before I ever raced the transcontinental race in 2013. Uh, this was when that was the first edition ever and I, I didn't really I was too scared to do it in 2013 um, <laughs> but I, I, I watched it and then um, after the race I was like right I need to try and do this and uh, I, I decided I'd, I'd ride I'd fl- I, I got a flight to um, Ljubljana in Slovenia mm-hmm. uh, basically it was a thousand miles away and easy jet through there so it was quite cheap and, and the idea was I'd ride home and see if I could actually do it so I rode past all of that area as well um, plus mm. past Lake Bled and uh, yeah I think you'll be going in a similar way and then the two TCRs I did in 14 and 15 ended up going down the coast of Croatia um, yeah and I think I suspect some riders may take the coast but there is a route further inland um, but yeah it's going to be interesting in Albania there's there's a checkpoint I think it's checkpoint three um, I can't remember the name of the place again I'm, I'm really bad at names but, uh, but yeah it's uh, Albania's 
a fan, fantastic country to ride in. Um, well, just the culture, it's just alive. Um, I remember 2013, uh, sorry, 2014, the first time I'd, I'd never really been out of Western Europe. Um, mm -hmm. And I was really kind of worried about what it was going to be like there. And you hear like horror stories about how bad it was in Albania and the, the roads are terrible and, you know, all this stuff. And I got there and I just loved it so much. Um, and then I went oh, back wow. in 2015 <laughs> on the TCR route. And then I decided, I think the year after, I went touring just from like Croatia down to Greece. Um, so I rode through Albania again and there's some sections which riders will definitely be taking on the route there, which are just breathtaking, really kind of that unexpected beauty. Um, and then all the riding mm -hmm. through Greece is, is beautiful, beautiful and tough. So it's a fantastic route. Um, it's going to be very hilly at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I can imagine that. You'll love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm not. I think I will suffer a bit <laughs> on this gravel parkours. Oh, yeah. yeah, but it won't be too bad. By that point, you'll be so used to anything uh, that your kind of perception of what what is hard changes. You, you, you do change as you go along a transcontinental race. And what you think is hard in the first few days, you just take in your stride near the end and uh, you'll be fine. It's the same for everyone. Yeah, but I noticed, like you mentioned, you participated in uh, TCR twice. So the first edition, you came in uh, and ended up second place. So and then you went on again to win it. What do you think make the most difference in uh, in the two different editions? Well, Is I know what I was route, doing. Preparation or or experience? experience i think I, I knew i thought i knew what i was doing in the first the first the, well it was the second edition of the the, the race that it was the first time i did it um like i said the 2013 i didn't enter the first edition um but i did that trip back from slovenia so i kind of realized i could do the distance every day and i thought i knew what i was doing i'm not gonna lie and i thought oh yeah it should be fine but yeah it's uh it, the tcr kind of um it can catch up with you. Um, and I learned a lot of lessons in 2014, um, you know, about myself and pushing the sleep and, you know, riding mm -hmm. through like Southern and Eastern Europe. Um, but I finished in Istanbul because at the time it was London to Istanbul in, in 2014. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of went home and I thought about it. I was like, well, actually I wasted a lot of time. I made a lot of mistakes, but if I hadn't have made those mistakes, then actually I wasn't much slower than the winner. So I knew in my head that if I got it right, I could probably be very close. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I went back in 2015 a lot wiser and it worked, which is quite nice. Um, I don't know if I could win it now though, mind you. It's, uh, that was very early days. It's a whole different sport now. I, that's why I have to talk about it, not race it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think uh, the sport has changed a lot or the transcontinental race has changed a lot since you started? I mean, you are very experienced. You went on to race other ultra races, one of the very challenging ones like Tour de White. I don't know. I'm curious to, to hear your take on this. Uh, both. I mean, so I did the, the the very, well, one of the very early ones. So the sign on on year two, even the two I did, well, I, actually I started in 2016 as well. So I've been at three starts, well, four starts because I went as a tourist once. But the first start in 2014 started on London Bridge 
and the sign-on was basically me turning up half an hour before the start and getting my tracker off Mike Hall out the boot of his car. <laughs> um, and I didn't have any money for the deposit, but he said, oh, it's okay, I, I know who you are. Just uh, make sure you don't lose it and give it back at the end. <laughs> and, you know, there, was, there weren't any banned roads, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't all the details and all the information out there. There wasn't like a, a resource map which said you can't ride this road, you can't ride that road or, you know, look out for traffic. Basically, you just had to figure it out as you went along. And obviously, you couldn't ride on the motorway and you couldn't ride through a tunnel that, that was banned for bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of made it up as you went along a little bit. Um, and there wasn't as many riders. So basically, mm-hmm. everyone was just trying to survive apart from Christoph, who kind of knew what he was doing. Um, <laughs> and then in 2015, it started in, in Gerardsbergen for the first time. And that seemed mm-hmm. like a bit more of a big deal because there was more people there and it was almost organized. I mean, I won't say it was organized, but it was closer towards being organized. Yeah. And I remember, obviously, I won it in 2015 and suddenly everyone cared at the end. Like 2014, mm-hmm. I finished it, finished in a ca- in, in the same place, actually, in a cafe under the, the big bridge across the Bosporus. Mm-hmm. And like no one was really there. There was just Michael <laughs> and I think Christoph was there and the photographer and we just sat and had a meal but when I finished in 2015 I think the word was out about these races and there was just a massive crowd of people and to be honest I just wanted to sit down in in silence and just have a minute because I'd ridden 24 hours to get there so I I wasn't really that excited about it. Um, Yeah I hear from a lot of uh, people who ask me it's not strange when you finish this kind of monumental event such a big challenge and there's nobody or one person at the end to welcome you I don't know I I think it's uh, very different from other kind of uh, sport events let's say that there is a huge like you know giving trophies etc here is like you finish uh, this amazing ride but you are kind of like a you know back to normal all of the sudden i don't know uh, if it's... well yeah i think i think the transcontinental race is, is almost the exception because there is people at the finish and, and mm-hmm. there is a bit more of you know a gathering because everyone's all these people are finishing in the same place and i think most people will have a few a few f- like fellow riders or people at the checkpoint there at, at the finish um it's not like Tour Divide. Well, when I finished Tour Divide, there was no one, literally no one, <laughs> <laughs> just in the desert. And, you know, I just sat there for like 20 minutes, half an hour, and then, then the, I got picked up. But um, <laughs> but I felt weird when I, in 2015 because you spend, well, it was 10 days, that race, just under. Mm-hmm. And you spend 10 days pretty much by yourself, not really talking to anyone. But then suddenly you're, you finish in this massive bubble and you know everyone uh, your bubble bursts and everyone's there and they want to talk to you about everything and to be honest the last thing I wanted to do in 2015 was to sit and uh, have a million conversations because I was quite tired <laughs> and it was it's weird uh, and the, the prize obviously there's not really any prizes but you know I felt like everyone else cared more about it me winning in 2015 than I did mm-hmm. um, I felt like kind of the winning wasn't that important the fact I got there and the whole sounds a bit corny but the whole journey you see so much you experience so much and every 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 single rider has the has a different but a similar experience every single rider has a story to tell somewhere or another it's not easy for anyone and it felt a bit weird at the finish that everyone was like i don't know like i just won a road race or something <laughs> it's like it's, it's 10 days coming it's, it's like the reward for me was was that the actual journey itself um yeah it, totally like uh do you feel like uh 
ultra hangover. It's like uh, you've been in your bubble, it bursts, and then it's like all of a sudden you are hit to reality. It's like, uh, okay, I have to start behaving <laughs> like a normal person. Yeah, I cannot I just uh, stay on the floors of supermarkets. <laughs> It takes a while. I mean, my standards are a lot lower than they used to be for that reason, I think. Um, <laughs> I think you just learn what's important and what's not. And uh, I don't know, modern society, maybe everyone's too worried about what they look like and things like that. And uh, actually, it doesn't yeah. really matter. You, you know, you just... So yeah, when I finish a race, it does take a while. I mean, Tour Divide was the worst, like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, over two weeks. Um, yeah. not talking to anyone really and I think it took me a good month for, well it took me a good month when I got home just to know where I was was waking up every morning because you know I thought I'd be I'd wake up and my body would want to ride Yeah. Um, because if you do something long enough it becomes habit doesn't it so mm-hmm. yeah the ultra hangover is a real thing um, maybe not so much on the, 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 sh- the shorter ones like four or five days but when you're going over a week ten days two weeks even mm-hmm. yes yeah, it's a bit I think actually it's something that um that people don't appreciate it is actually quite hard to go back into normality and you know you certainly you know when I was you know I've been kind of lucky enough to make it kind of a job the last few years but mm-hmm. when I did TCRs and tour divides I was working full time um yeah and then suddenly you go from riding your bike every single day just to sat being sat there in a chair and doing office work or having to go you know cook dinner or have a conversation with your partner yeah how do you balance uh ultra cycling uh, work and your uh family life i mean that's a question i get a lot of times like uh, people wonder how you have time to train all that many hours i think you have to find a balance and sometimes you have to compromise do you find yeah. the same we have to want to do it for a start um mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the hardest thing um well i don't know my family life has changed because i've got a baby now so <laughs> we'll see how that works out um i mean uh, it's quite i've only been to one well i've been to two two events since having the baby the, the highland trail and um mm-hmm. and pancelltic but yeah it's yeah. kind of uh, it's, it's like a bit of a rest to be honest in an ultra race <laughs> i never <laughs> thought i'd go to an ultra race to have a break <laughs> well you get used to sleep deprivation having a baby i think that's that, well, a good training <laughs> yeah yeah well everyone says that oh, it should be fine because you're used to not sleeping um <laughs> but then i point out that when i'm on a race i choose when i don't sleep and you don't get that that luxury when you're uh <laughs> when you have a baby screaming um yeah um, but to be fair she's not too choose, bad how do you choose the races i'm curious because you don't so many events i think uh, you've done some of the bucket list ones but uh now what uh what drives your decision to sign up for an event travel basically Mm-hmm. it's a good excuse to go traveling <laughs> um quite often i I'm, I'm not so fussed well certainly now i'm not so fussed about race results it's just seeing somewhere cool you know and race results are nice but um it's so hard to win nowadays there's so many fast people you know mm-hmm. you can't pin everything on a race result so i'd rather go somewhere and explore the world um mm-hmm. so i'm going to kyrgyzstan in a few weeks for the silk road oh wow like never been there before i don't know what to expect <laughs> and that's exciting mm-hmm. um So yeah, I mean, the world's a beautiful place and I quite like to see as much of it as I can. So yeah. that's that's kind of the main thing now. You know, there's there's a few events and places I like to go. Um, going to Japan in October. Oh, um, wow, that's my dream. <laughs> yeah, well, the Japanese Odyssey is uh, an event that goes the length of Japan. It's not really competitive. It's more mm-hmm. of a big Aldax. 
it seems like a good excuse to go. <laughs> I mean, and then uh, there's a few other events. Actually, I quite like to go to Colombia. There's a few events out there. Yeah, um, Transcordilleras. Yeah. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the region, actually. So. Oh well, oh, well, I might have to ask you some advice then. But um, I yeah. totally recommend it. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a place I've wanted to go for a long time. So yeah, yeah. essentially at the moment, I mean, th there's not. To be honest, there's not many events that would. What I'd really want to necessarily win. The only one mm. would be Tour Divide. Um, I think I had that experience early with the transcontinental race that I won it and I was like, oh, well, it's kind of cool. And I'm probably more proud of it now than I was then because it, it means a lot more. But I didn't cross the line. You know, it's not like you're winning a Tour de France sprint <laughs> and you cross a line full of adrenaline, you know, with your arms up and, you know, it, it means everything. Because actually, like I said, it was the, um, the whole journey behind it, you know, mm -hmm. and the whole personal emotional journey which well i'm sure you'll find out <laughs> in the next few weeks it's uh, a lot more re yeah. rewarding than um just well winning this race um yeah and, especially uh, when everyone else finishes too because yeah. you know you get there and you're, you're talking to all these these other riders and they've had the same experience and you almost feel a little bit guilty for winning it and getting all the applauds <laughs> because everyone's done the same thing and it's, it's it's easier to do it faster than it is to do it slower mm -hmm. indeed and uh, for example, I know you've done some uh, bikepacking around the world, right? And uh, so I wonder, what's the difference for you between bikepacking and ultracycling? Why ultracycling instead of bikepacking the same route, let's say? What is the thrill of the, of the race? Well, I like both, to be honest. And to be honest, I probably prefer bikepacking. <laughs> Basically, bikepacking is you sleep more and you sit down and have lunch. Ultracycling, you just keep moving and don't sleep very much. Um, but yeah I guess uh, I, lo I love both to be honest I think my favourite type of I guess cycle travel is lightly loaded doing long, long distances riding all day and then trying to find some hotel or something sleep overnight have a good meal at lunch uh, or maybe stay in a tent if it's nice and warm mm -hmm. um, racing can be miserable sometimes to be honest but uh, but you see a lot of you, a lot of stuff and you know, especially on the transcontinental race, you know, I think I averaged 260 odd miles a day or maybe, oh. maybe more. And you, that's, yeah. for 10 days, you see a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. And actually the reason I've been back to Albania touring and down the coast of Croatia touring was because I thought, well, I actually want to do this slower and enjoy it more. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's good to see a lot, a lot, a lot of places very quickly. And then you can go, but you can always choose to go slower afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And the way you remember them are quite different no? <laughs> because you oh, are yeah. in places you wouldn't go at certain times. It's like sometimes it's like I would never have gone to the desert in Spain for the sunrise. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, that was the one of the most magical moments I ever had. I was like, 100%. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I, I like that as well, you know, and, and because, because you are pushing yourself, well, you find out a lot more about yourself um, mm -hmm. and what you can do. And yeah, you get these really weird kind of I don't know, everything just happens in the right order and you, you get to a, like a beautiful sunset in a beautiful place and you maybe it a like heighten the sense of like emotions and, you know, end up crying to yourself at the sunset or something stupid like that. It, it kind of makes sense when you're there. But yeah. if you're listening to this and haven't done um, an ultra race before, you probably think we're just mad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should do it. It's a life experience. I would say it's life compressing that period of time. <laughs> a roller coaster of emotions and you find out a lot about yourself and some emotions you didn't know you had <laughs> hidden yeah. inside yeah 
but and it's a I'm bit curious. more exciting than normal uh, like when you go back to normal life like we said afterwards it, it's a little bit dull to be honest so i think that's yeah. why people keep going back and doing these things over and over even though they complain the whole time they're doing the race yeah exactly and on those lines what was your worst and best moment on these races um i don't know <laughs> it's uh th 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 there's been i've done quite a lot now so i mean um there's always highs and lows um mm. you know in 2014 i i had a um, achilles injury and there was times when i was just so much pain but then to be honest i think if i have a, had a smartphone i probably would have scratched in 2014 but i didn't know where i was <laughs> half the time so <laughs> all i could do was follow the line on my gps but i was i was going to scratch a number of times um But then I learned, you know, I had no choice. I had to carry on. I didn't know where I was. And then you get better. And the lows are really low, but then the highs are really high. And I think that was the biggest takeaway from 2014 in the, in the, in the TCR was that I, afterwards I thought about it, I was like, well, I was really hysterically happy. And then I just emotionally drop off a cliff and, you know, be crying down the phone to my mum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that happens a few times. And then I kind of thought about it. I was like, well, actually, if I did just, you know, it wasn't so bad if you just take a step back and mentally try and be a bit stronger or, mm -hmm. or, or you know, it's like a massive sine wave. You're going up and down, but if you can flatten it off and just be consistent and manage your emotions more than anything and your, and your energy levels, you know, I, I kind of made that connection between energy levels and emotional levels. You know, yeah. if I was really sad and tired, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd feel a bit down, but then funnily enough, I ate something and then an hour later I'd be motoring and it was just learning those connections. And I think I made the connections after the 2014 race and I thought about it and thought about the mistakes I made or the mistakes I thought I made. Um, yeah. And I just kind of thought, well, actually I can kind of, that's one thing I can control is me. You know, there's all this other crazy stuff going along. You, you can't yeah. control the conditions or the traffic or the state of the roads or, any, or the wind or anything like that. But you can at least control your mind and your body. And I think I just found a way of doing it. And um, yeah, well, it yeah. worked quite well in 2015. It doesn't always work that way, mind you. <laughs> I totally agree with that. It's uh, the experience of knowing how your body works. I find the same when I had like a, my most emotional moments is because I was having my deep of sleep and it was like a clock. It's like at that time I get it and it feels like my whole body is collapsing, like I'm dying for two hours and all of a sudden a switch flips and I'm back on. So it's just knowing your body, knowing yourself and you learn so much with every event. Yeah, I mean, and, and you can you can like transfer that into real life as well. Mm. I mean, I've learned a lot about myself, you know, just um, doing these these silly races and then you, you get into the real life world. And even if it's something stupid, like you can't concentrate at work or you're tired at work and you sort of go through the checklist. Like, Am I too tired? Have I drunk enough? <laughs> Am I hungry? Is it too hot? Um, or do I, or would I rather just be riding my bike? And I realized I'd rather be riding my bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can overcome everything after a ultra race. <laughs> yeah. I think. And uh, I'm curious, like, uh, do you have any advice for those venturing into Eastern Europe? I heard there's uh, a lot of issues with uh, dogs. Do you have any tricks? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, That, that's the annoying thing about transcontinental race. And I, I fell for this in 2014. You hear these hor horror stories, you know, mm -hmm. oh, the dogs are going to rip you apart or, you know, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. people are terrible. The, the road drivers are so dangerous. Uh, it's, it's fine. It, it's like everyone, everyone's human, you know, 
it's mm-hmm. um i find the further east you go the, the friendlier people are um like everyone's really happy and welcoming and if you kind of go in open-minded you'll be fine um yeah there can be dogs but there can be dogs anywhere um yeah. i wouldn't you know it's like people getting worked up about bears on the tour divide i mean to be honest <laughs> yeah I'm you've got to be more <laughs> well yeah but you're not you're not likely to see well 2019 i saw no bears last year i, I only did half of it because i got ill but i saw 10 bears but you know i didn't get eaten alive it's um <laughs> i think your your, yeah. your 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 mind can kind of uh get get scared or make you build things up that maybe yeah. aren't the most important factor and the truth is on the transcontinental race it's not dogs you're worried about or anything like that it's cars you know that's mm. the number one thing you've got to be be careful of and you know that the, the the percentage chance of being attacked by a dog versus a percentage chance of you know being hit by a car <laughs> like i know what i'd be more worried about um yeah so yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't over worry about things like that um yeah having said funny. that it's funny how you build these fears in your mind and then you are more primed during the races. I had that in uh, Transiberica. I heard about an accident with a, a wild pig and then I was on my, ma- on my mind every time I saw the sign. Oh my God, I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash. And the first night I crashed into a deer. I was like, <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, it was so difficult to overcome that fear after. But I, I said to myself, okay, forget about it. You choose to be here and it cannot be every time like this and uh, you just have to go is just take your chances right yeah so there's I mean, always I, dangers but uh you know that uh that's everything you, you, in life you accept those dangers when you enter the race you know mm-hmm. and if you don't look properly when you cross the road outside your house then it's equally as dangerous i mean i think you make yeah. your you make your own luck in these things and you know yeah. obviously you do have to be careful but yeah i think you can build things up you know it's, it's human nature isn't it to build things up in your head which you're scared about um, but yeah some people have hallucinations <laughs> about yeah yeah exactly well i know what <laughs> i see when deprived. when i'm sleep deprived um but yeah i mean eastern europe is to be honest the race gets started in eastern europe that's when i think <laughs> it gets really good um and you'll be you'll be well probably the best part of a weekend by then um and a week on the on the road is a long time it's enough to change you and because that's the beauty of these big cross-continent races well transcontinental essentially you don't get it on on tour divide as much mm-hmm. that that you're crossing so many countries and so many cultures and the shift isn't is quite gradual so you'll find by the time you get to eastern europe that that you're, you're kind of used to it. it it's not such a massive shock mm-hmm. and it's like a gradual kind of um you know gradually kind of being absorbed absorbed into it and every country it's slightly different each region within that country it's slightly different so you don't it's not like there's a a big wall and you cross it and suddenly you know everything's mm-hmm. different it's um it's very it's, it's gradual and um it's great actually it's it's a really nice nice thing to see especially over that that time scale oh yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it i mean uh the countries as as you said it's good to go with an open mind and uh, you never know how all the many beautiful places you're gonna see and awesome people you're gonna meet I mean, uh, as you said, in sometimes in the more remote places or the ne- unexpected places is where you find the kindest people. So <laughs> I had also that in places uh, like, a, oh, it's like a guardian angel just appeared out of the sudden. So yeah, I totally and agree. I believe that, you know, humans, are, we're all nice people, really. I mean, the vast majority, you do get a few people who, who aren't, but, you know, 
people are generally quite nice and the, the be- beauty of riding a bicycle is people I think perceive you as being a bit more vulnerable mm-hmm. and so it's a bit more disarming so so it's easier for people to be nice to you and like I've never for some reason I had this in my head when I was going to our you know cer- certainly Albania for some reason Albania was a country that was going to be terrible and I was going to hate and you know in 2014 and I got there I just loved it because it, people were so warm and welcoming and open you know mm-hmm. it's um it was great and it really it really it changed my perspective on the world really um and I've been back there touring since so you know it's uh it's um yeah you've got nothing to worry about in 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 Eastern Europe um you'll be very um, prepared by the time you get there yes absolutely well let's see let's find out that i guess there will be a lot of hiking and, and gravel oh <laughs> no i don't think adventure. so <laughs> well I've, to be honest I, i did notice doing the route planning or the route you know um thing for for my race coverage that there was some gravel but i don't know how bad it is um but again don't get yourself worked up about it because <laughs> it's just a dirt road You know. oh, it's part of the adventure uh, we had that in uh, Transiberica and I was like oh, now I remember and I love it's like the gravel pair <laughs> we yeah. end up by mistake there but it was a fun experience when you look back on it <laughs> maybe it was hard at the time but that's the things that you remember <laughs> yeah and if you get yourself worked up and you're, you're like you're thinking about it all the way across Europe oh there's going to be some gravel soon <laughs> you, you enter that section tight and stressed and that's yeah. when you're going to make mistakes if you relax you know bicycles are pretty amazing machines they'll yeah. go over all the gravel no problem whatsoever the problem is not going to be the bike itself <laughs> it'll be the person riding the bike <laughs> so if you're nice and relaxed and open-minded and happy about it you know within reason you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should be fine and i've ridden a couple of gravel roads in in that kind of area when i've mm-hmm. been touring and they weren't too bad um i mean i don't know what they are like in this particular one but yeah that everyone's got to do it so I won't worry about it yeah and I'm curious so you mentioned uh you're doing Silk Mountain Race and uh any other uh upcoming races for this year or next year what's next for you um well yeah Silk Road is um I fly on the fifth so um that would be the kind of the big one for this year mm-hmm. um and then a bit of a break and then like I said I'm doing the Japanese Odyssey at the end of October which That's is amazing. not really Yeah, it's not really a race. Um, it's more of a big adventure. Uh, it just seems like a very good excuse to to explore a new country um, without the pressure of racing, yeah. which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then probably not, not do too much towards the end of the year. Like I said, I've got a baby now um, and I'll be at home looking after it once uh, my partner goes back to, to uh, say school. <laughs> She's a teacher, <laughs> goes back to work after maternity. Yeah. So I don't quite know what life's going to be like after that. I imagine I'll be very tired still, but just not from cycling. <laughs> um, well, that sounds like uh, the biggest challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I can make it work. But uh, like I said, you've got to be open-minded and, <laughs> and try and make it happen. Yeah. And uh, to finish up, if you had one advice for somebody thinking about getting into ultra cycling, what would it be? Just do it. Get up, get onto the start line and um, just do it because you can sit and think about it and make up excuses as to why you shouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, just just go and do it. It's not that hard. It's 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 riding a bike and you know it's um it, it's a great experience really. I mean, all these people now. When I when I think back to the early days, there was about the first TCR I did in 2014. There was about 
50 of us and now there's about 350 people on the start this year isn't there um so it can't be ba- that bad if all those people are doing it so <laughs> there's no excuse so you have to go and just 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 try it and see what happens and if you don't like it you don't have to do it again but i don't think that would be the case <laughs> exactly i totally agree just do it and uh it's a rewarding experience despite of uh every challenge you may encounter well, thank you so much, Josh, for joining the the show today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and good luck for the for the transcontinental race. I'll, I'll be I'll be looking out for your dot. See how we get on.